Amen. So guys, last week we studied uh, this guy named Jacob, right? And last week specifically, we were talking about how Jacob tricked his brother Esau, and, and then he fled uh, to a place called Padan Aram. He meets Rachel, falls in love. He's broke and poor, has no way to pay the bride's price, so he negotiates with uh, what will soon be his father-in-law, a guy named Laban. says, I'll work for you for seven years so I can marry Rachel. There's a little switcheroo on the honeymoon, and Laban gives him his other daughter. Uh, instead, he wakes up in the morning, he's like, this is not Rachel. Uh, I I guess he had a little bit to drink there at the wedding. So uh, wakes up next morning, he's like, that's not what I bargained for. And, and, and so, so he works another seven years to finally win Rachel. Um, and then he works six more years to kind of build up some wealth. And then God says, hey, listen, uh, your father-in-law has tricked you over and over again. Switch your wages. You need to get out of here or, or he's going he's gonna to take it all back. And so, uh, so, so Jacob runs for his life. Um, kind of, kind of fleeing Laban, takes his family, takes takes Laban's daughters with him. Uh, Laban pursues him. He's going to take it all back, and God shows up to Laban and says, "No, you stop it. You don't touch him." So eventually, Jacob is going to return home. Now, on his way home, what we didn't talk about is he'll wrestle with God. Uh, he'll send uh, people ahead because he's going to meet his brother. His brother's like, "It's all good. Don't worry about you stealing my blessing. It's going to be fine." Uh, and, uh, and and then eventually, he's going to settle, and and Jacob is going to build this great family. He has tons of kids. And of those kids, he has 12 sons. Uh, the problem is, Jacob, as we would keep studying, he struggles with some of the same things that his parents did, especially his mom, is uh, Jacob plays favorites. And so his favorite child, he actually has one, uh, parents with multiple children, never tell someone uh, that they're your favorite unless you tell them all they're your favorite, okay? Which is what we do in our house. Oh, no, you're my favorite. No, you're my favorite. No, you're my favorite. They're also all our least favorite, too. That's how it works, right? Just depends on the day and the moment. So, uh, so, but he does. He plays favorites. Jacob plays favorites with the firstborn of Rachel, whom he loves the most, and it's his son named Joseph. Now, he plays favorites to the point that he gives him this very special coat that's woven from all these beautiful different color threads, right? And uh, we call it the coat of many colors. And, uh, and, and on top of that, then his son Joseph uh, has these visions from God. And, and, and then he tells his brothers and his parents about these visions where they all bow down to him. They don't like it. And they're so angry at their father's favoritism and, and, and Joseph's kind of haughtiness, the way they interpret it. They're like, we're going to kill our brother. We're going to kill him. We're just going to get rid of him. Now, the oldest brother steps in and says, no, we can't kill him. That'd be horrible. Let's do this. Let's sell him into slavery, right? That's better. I mean, God won't be so mad at us there. They throw him into a pit. Caravan comes by. They, they sell him to the caravan. Uh, he ends up in Egypt, purchased by a, a man named Potiphar. And uh, there he serves Potiphar. He raises up the ranks. Soon he's in charge of all of Potiphar's house. And everything he does, the Lord blesses. Right? And I mean, he's a standout. So much so that Potiphar's wife is like, you're good looking, come to bed with me. Uh, he refuses, refuses, refuses. One day he's home alone, she grabs his cloak, he takes off, leaves the cloak behind, and, uh, and she makes his claim that he assaulted me. He ends up falsely accused in prison. Now, in prison, uh, again, everything he does, the Lord blesses. He, he basically runs the jail. Uh, and, and, and God does this vision thing again. Now, he's not having dreams this time. He's interpreting dreams. And, and there's a, a baker and a cupbearer there, and he interprets a dream for him. The cupbearer is going to be restored to his position. He says, listen, when you're restored to your position, just don't forget about me. Guess what? The cupbearer forgets about him for two years until Pharaoh suddenly has bad dreams. And when Pharaoh's having bad dreams, ain't nobody in Egypt happy. 
And, and so, uh, like, like Pharaoh's like, I'm going to get rid of all of you if you don't figure this out. And the cupbearer goes, I don't want to die. Hey, I remember that guy from prison. He told me about my dreams. Maybe he can interpret it. And so Joseph comes. Here's Pharaoh, says, it's not me. This is God. But there's going to be seven years of bounty followed by seven years of famine. You better get ready. And Pharaoh says, you're a wise man. I'm going to put you in charge of all of Egypt. Okay? During the famine, it's so bad. It's kind of worldwide. Joseph's brothers are without. And his father says, you've got to go to Egypt. They're the only place that has grain. Go and buy grain. So through a series of events, Joseph will eventually reveal himself to his brothers. That is where our story picks up. We're in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. And the word of God says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph, before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, please forgive your brothers, transgression and their sin, the suffering they cause you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression, the servants of God, of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. So not only does Joseph reveal himself, but after his father dies, there's full forgiveness and restoration of this family. And, and the, all of Israel, what they'll become, uh, they become this great nation in Egypt. So, with that uh, all in mind, there's a few things I want to share with you this morning in our But God series. Okay, here's the first thing I want you to know. I want you to know that God weaves together every aspect of our lives into redemptive history. Okay? If you, you get one thing this morning, this is the one thing. Ready? God weaves together every aspect of our lives into redemptive history. Okay? Every, every moment, every breath, everything that we do and everything that has been done to us is part of a greater story that God is weaving together that all eventually points to the glorification of His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Savior of the world. Okay? That's the truth. Now, we don't always feel that way. The news wouldn't broadcast that. But that is the truth of history. That it's all being every event, every cause, every thought, every action that you have done, that has been done to you. God is weaving all of that together behind the scenes to bring glory to His Son, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Here's how Paul puts it in the book of Colossians. Uh, starting in verse 16. He says, For everything was created by Him 
in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things are held together. It continues in verse 18 through 20. It says, He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him. Through Him to reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Guys, what that is saying, what that's saying is that everything that happens in life is related to the cross of Jesus. Can I say that again? Everything that happens in life, in all of history, is related to the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything that we have been through, everything that we will go through, everything that we have caused and that has come against us, everything has to do with God reconciling sinners to Himself through His Son Jesus, which happened on a cross, right? Like, all of it points that way, all of creation. It's a huge reason for what's going on in our story, by the way. Say, well, why why is all this going on? Well, it's all going on because this promised Messiah... Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is actually going to come through a people that God makes for Himself, right? A a nation He's going to make through Himself called Israel that begins with one man named Abram, right? In Genesis chapter 12, it says, The Lord says to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Just, Just go, Right? But when he continues to speak to Abram about how that's going to happen, he actually reveals to him that that great nation won't come where he's going, but, but ultimately that his offspring is going to head to a place called Egypt. And there they're going to have to be captives for 400 years. That's where God's promise of this nation is going to come. We find that in Genesis 15, 13, right? The the Lord said to Abram, know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. And here's what I'm going to submit to you, that all of it, All that we have talked about, everything involving Joseph from his father's favoritism and and the coat uh, to the dreams to the caravan, that God is weaving all of that together because he's got to get the people of Israel, he's got to get them into Egypt. That's where they're going to become a nation. That's where the 12 tribes are are, going to flourish. And from those 12 tribes, God is going to raise up. God is going to raise up a lion, right? From this little tribe of Judah. And he'll be the savior of the world. God is always working towards redemptive history, friends. Every moment points to the cross of Christ, right? Every moment points to the cross of Christ. So I've got a big illustration and, and here's the key to it, by the way. The, the, the key to it is, is found in verse 20. That's our verse this morning. Uh, I will throw it up on the screen. It says, as for you, uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. But God meant it for good. Now, I believe this is the key to understanding not just this passage, but all of the hardships that we face in life. That's, that's a pretty heavy promise there. Ready? One word, key to understanding it all. You're like, nah, I don't buy that. All right, here we go. Ready? This, this word in the Hebrew is hashab. It's hashab. And, and listen, it, it can mean meant 
or planned. That Maybe that's what your translation says. It says God meant it for good or God planned it for good or God intended it for good. All of those work. But the word literally, if you were going to look up the literal translation of that word, hashab, what does it literally mean? It literally means to weave. That's what it means. It means to weave. That's, that's what the word literally means in, in the Hebrew. And, and so what if, I'm going to show you an image. Let's go to that, that picture. What if this is what God is doing, right? That, that's kind of, I, I, now, now that's just a standard kind, kind of loom there. I, I want you to imagine one way bigger, right? So you can kind of look at that and think about this. What if each of our lives represents like a string, Right? Just one string. Like our whole life it represents one string. And then what if uh, every person, like every person is a string, but, but so is every person that has ever lived and every person that will ever live. So, so every person that will ever have breath in their lungs is, is kind of one string on this great loom of, of God. And listen, everything that happens to them, what if everything that happens to you and everything that happens to you, everything that you cause, everything that's caused, what if every event in your life is an intersection in, in, in a loom? Maybe a point, right? And what if God, this giant loom in the sky, is literally weaving together every string and every event of every string that there will ever be to create a beautiful tapestry that exalts His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Savior of the world. Ooh, it's crazy, right? Freaked me out this week as I kind of started. It's like, whoa. Listen, y'all, I can barely sew a button. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I can get a button back on. That's about as good as I... We, we have multiple strings. I have issues. I have issues. I'm serious. And, and I just began to thought, who, who could do that? Who, who could literally weave every life and every event and every life that ever was and ever will be and, and make them into a beautiful picture of Jesus? And the answer is no one but God. Right? Because the thought of it to me is exhausting. But here's what Isaiah boasts about God. Right? Isaiah uh, says, where's my scripture, y'all? It's later, isn't it? Well, that's okay. I'll share it with you later. Uh, Isaiah says that God never becomes faint or weary, right? So I, I just want to begin here. If you, if you get one thing, it's this. It's that God weaves together every aspect of our lives into redemptive history. So let's talk about what that means specifically for us. Uh, second point, it, it means that God's always working together every circumstance in life. God is always working together every circumstance in life. Always. Without ceasing. Without stopping. Every circumstance, God is always working. And that means that there's no isolated incidents in life. Uh, which is why, by the way, how we like to interpret life. Because um, we like to ask things like, why God? Why this? Why now? Because we view everything in isolation. Oh, this horrible thing is happening to me right now. It's unjust. It's unfair. Why? 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 Right? It's all about isolation. But God doesn't work in isolation. Everything is connected. Just think about the life of Joseph and all the places he could ask why. Why, God, am I my father's favorite? Why do my brothers hate me? Why this coat, right? So you've kind of got the coat. Then, then, then he has the dream. We've got this next slide. Then he has the dream, right? Why, why, God, did you give me a vision? I just shared it with my family. Now they hate me even more, right? Why, why do they want to kill me? And then there's the pit. Right? You can imagine this brother being thrown down in the pit. All the other brothers like making fun of him. They're, they're threatening to kill him. You've got the oldest brother. No, back, back, back. Uh, and then, then you've got the caravan. 
caravan just happens to be coming by. Why, God, why, why would you sell me to a caravan? By the way, it probably wasn't a pleasant journey to Egypt. He was probably tied or, or shackled, walking behind camels that are doing their business, right? That was his existence. Why? Right? He, get, he gets sold to, to Potiphar, and, and, and then things seem to turn around, and life is good, and, and then here comes Potiphar's wife trying to hit on him. He does the right thing. Right? He does the right thing and he's thrown in prison for it. Why, God? Are you kidding me? I should have just slept with her, right? Why? All of the, if you, if you view it as isolated events and then he's in prison and he interprets a dream and, and, and he's like, remember me. Well, the guy, two years. Why, God? Why did I even tell him that? I should have just let him rot here in prison. Why would I do that? And then, and then Pharaoh's dream, right? And it's only after all of it. It's only on the back side of all of it that Joseph gets God's perspective on it. And he stands before his brothers after the death of his father. And they are begging like, Dad's dead, please don't hurt us. And, and, and on the back side of it all, he's able to go, dude, it was all connected. It was all connected. What you intended for harm, God was weaving every ounce of that together to fulfill the promise he made to our great-great-grandfather. Right? Listen to me, some of you right now are going through some stuff and it makes no sense to you at all. And I get it because like I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like we're just a thread in this great like tapestry and and, and, and listen, I, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on with you. Maybe you were headed one way and now you're going back the other. Maybe you're circling around. You're, you're stuck in some kind of cycle. You're like, what am I doing? What if God is making a point in that tapestry and he's using you for emphasis in his story? Right? God is always, always, always at work, working all things together. He never grows fainter. We're, so the third thing I want to share with you is he's not just doing that for you. We kind of have a self-centric gospel uh, we tendency, right? We tend to just think about our own lives. But God's not just doing that for you. God is simultaneously working patiently in a variety of lives. God's not just doing these, these, these loops and these points in your life to add emphasis to something in his story. But he's actually doing that in everyone's life all at the same time, right? So, so back to this, just think about all of the people that God's working in all of these lives all at the same time in this one story. So he's working in the life of Joseph, right? He's teaching them teaching Joseph, right? Like, I am with you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken. He's teaching you. Like, hey, I'm working. Like, Joseph gets it at the end. That, that's a work of God to go, wait a second. God took all of the hardship in my life and all the things that you tried to do to me, and he used all of that for his gain, for his glory, for his story. Like, that's a God-sized thing. If we could learn just that one lesson from Joseph, our lives would be radically different, right? So he works in the life of Joseph. But he doesn't just work in the life of Joseph. He's also working in the life of Joseph's brothers, right? Bringing them to repentance, right? So, so, so listen, they, they, they're like, we're sorry. Well, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have done that. That was horrible. Forgive us, right? Make us your slave. So, so they repent of their sin. He also works on, 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 his, on his father's favoritism, which is generational curse from, from, from his, his grandmother, right? 
And, and, and so what happens? Well, if you remember the story, uh, uh, Joseph is like, no, Benjamin's got to stay. Because once Joseph is gone, Benjamin then becomes the focus of his father, won't let him leave his sight. So, so, so like, he's got a problem here. And, and so, so Joseph's like, no, man, you've you got to keep Benjamin. Like, it literally takes Jacob or Israel to this point that he has to let go. He has to trust. So God's working through that, that sinful habit of favoritism, too. Uh, you, you've, got, you've got Pharaoh. Right? Who, who God works with and, and, and like all the stuff to harden his heart. Great example of, of how the enemy doesn't want to let us go. Right? How he pursues us even to the point we, we've, we've got, you know, like it, it's, it's crazy. You've, you've got Israel as a whole and the 12 tribes and what God's going to do. And then you have eventually all of mankind, all of our stories, what the cross opens up. It's, it's, it's all here. God's, God's doing it all. At the same time. All at the same time. What that means is that what you're going through right now, it's crazy, it may actually have very little to do with you. It actually might serve a much greater purpose than just your temporary struggle. That's crazy, right? And, and, and maybe that makes you mad. It could. I don't know. For me, it, it brings me great hope brings me great hope and encouragement to know that it may actually not be about me. And, and instead, that maybe God is just using something in my life to, to, to bring him glory, which, by the way, is kind of the last point, which is good. That's good, right? If that's the case, that's good. So I, I want you to know that being used by God in such a way is an amazing act of grace. The fact that God would use Little old you and little old me and, and the intersections and points in our life, in our struggles, in our hardship. The fact that God could use us and what we're going through for His glory is crazy good. Like it's crazy good that God can use messed up folks like us, right? That's great. And, and by the way, this is what our hearts really long for. And the depths of who we are, the Bible says that like, like we long for eternal things. Like we, we long to be part of the eternal story. God's planted that deep within our hearts. And so what I'm telling you this morning is if this is true, and I believe wholeheartedly it is, that God is literally weaving together every life event in your life, 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 in my life, in your life, like all of it together. And, and it's all this tapestry that points to Jesus and we get to be a part of it, y'all. We get to be a part of the tapestry of reconciliation. The tapestry of the gospel on display. And ultimately, that's what we long for, is to be used for eternity. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We get to participate in the tapestry of reconciliation that God is creating. I just say to you, isn't that the call of Christianity? To live for something so much bigger than ourselves? To actually set aside our own selfish desires and say, God, I, I just want your will to be done. Right? I, I want to have eternal impact. I want to leave a legacy, is that, that Christian phrase we like to throw around, right? Not that I would be remembered but that Jesus would be remembered in me, okay? So what do we do <laughs> with all of that? I've got a few things. You're not going to like them, okay? You're not going to like the first one at all. I love you. Hard truths, ready? Number one, stop asking why, okay? 
You want to get stuck spiritually? Okay? I mean stuck. Start asking why. Just do. Just why, 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 why? Just do. Just keep asking. Right? Because what it'll do is within you, it'll create a spirit of complaint about a very good God that's providing for you. And go ahead and study uh, the Israelites from this point on, right? Because eventually we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have Exodus, right? They're, they're going to get out, right? We're going to have Passover. We're going to have the parting of the Red Sea. So what's going to happen eventually? They're going to hit the wilderness and, and well, we had more to eat in Egypt. And even though we were slaves, it was better. And they just began to complain. So the first place they come to is Mata, and the water is bitter, and they camp there. Now, God, that's not where God wanted them to camp. He was taking them to an oasis. I think it was 72 palms, palm trees and springs. That's where they were supposed to camp. But they camped in bitterness. Listen, if you want to be bitter, you want to be, you want to be just stalled spiritually, just keep asking God, why, 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 why? You will be stalled out. You'll be camped in your bitterness. I, it, it, I guarantee you it'll happen. Some of you are like... Light bulb is going on. Like, whoa, maybe that's what's going on with me. Okay? So I, I, first I want to challenge you, stop asking why, right? Like, like Joseph could have camped in any of those places, but God was taking him somewhere. He was taking Israel somewhere. He was taking us somewhere. It was all pointing towards Jesus. And so I want to challenge you to stop asking why. Uh, number two, I, I want you to ask God instead. Okay, if I'm not asking why, what do I ask? Ready? Here we go. Ask God to use what you're going through for His glory. God, I, I don't know why. I'm not even going to ask. But would you use this somehow that others might see you? Just for your glory. Let them see Jesus in this, God. Changes your whole perspective on life, which kind of leads to the final thing. Thank God for allowing you to be part of the beautiful story that he is weaving together. All right? Does this make sense? Kind of? Sort of? Artistic folks are like, I like this. Non-artistic folks are like, I don't get this. I got you. Okay? Let's pray this morning. We've got a few announcements. We'll let you get out of here. Head on to uh, discipleship. What's that? Oh, yeah, we got to do offering. They're reminding me. They're, they're texting me. we got to do offering. Okay, we'll do offering, uh, like right now. Sometimes you just got to preach, man. It's got to happen. Um, so uh, we'll do offering uh, after I pray, and then we'll do announcements. Father, thanks for loving us. We love you. Um, be glorified in all that we think and say and do this morning, God. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen, amen. I told you, I thought we were doing offering before the Lord's Supper. It's, you know, it's good. Uh, so here's what we're going to do real quick. They're going to throw up an offering slide. Guys, there's three ways that you can give. Um, some of those involved are envelopes in the pews in front of you. Um, you can fill out one that says uh, tithe, and uh, on your way out in a second, you can place it in the boxes in the back of the sanctuary here in the front. You can also give uh, two ways online. Uh, one of the easiest ways to do it, y'all, is in that little bulletin. If you have the hard printout copy, it says give here. Point your camera right there, and it takes you right to our website, so it's a great way. You can also text the word GIVE to 512-588-1999. Uh, I'll pray for our offering real quick. I'll give you like 30 seconds, and then Miss Catherine will come with some announcements. Father, thanks for loving us. Um, help us be faithful in this. God, you've been so faithful in your provision in our lives. Uh, I, we, we don't want to miss this opportunity. This, too, is worship. This, too, is worship. So, God, be glorified uh, in this this morning. Be glorified and the preaching of your word this morning. Be glorified in the receiving of your word this morning, God, and be glorified in this. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. 
Amen. We're going to give you about 30, 40 seconds to give, and then we've got a few announcements. We'll let you out of here.